do that, uh, as they do that, let's just pray and ask God's help. Heavenly Father, we have not seen the Lord Jesus Christ, and yet so many of us here love him. And even though we do not see him now, we believe in him. And we ask that you would fill us this morning with an inexpressible and glorious joy, knowing that we are receiving the end result of our faith, the salvation of our souls. We ask this in his precious name. Amen. Well, have you received a wedding invitation? It's a great thing, isn't it? A wedding invitation. You get invited to a joyous day uh, to see two people joining their lives together before uh, God and family and friends. You get to meet the wider family. I'm always fascinated by the uh, unexpected and amazing people you will meet that you didn't know were connected with the family. Don't you find that amazing? I, I, I love that aspect of weddings. You meet people that you never thought you would meet, and there they are at the wedding. And best of all, uh, you get to sit down and enjoy a delicious meal that you did not pay for. <laughs> Come on, that is a winner every time, isn't it? Absolutely fantastic. Weddings are great. They're, they're full of laughter, joy, and celebration. Now, I just randomly picked this card off the internet, so I uh, don't... Don't try and work out too much what's going on. Uh, but on every wedding invitation, uh, whether it is a, an embossed card or a, a now one of these groovy handmade bespoke things, people are spending forever with their invitation cards these days. On whatever type it is, you'll see four little letters, R-S-V-P. You've seen that? And, and we all know what that means, don't we? Well, we kind of know what we're supposed to do, but do you actually know what it means? It's French. It's a French phrase. Répondez, s'il vous plaît. I said it in a Spanish accent. <laughs> I speak good French. Gracias. There we are. And it basically means, please reply. Please reply. Are you going to come? The great day is planned, the invites are going out, and they want to know, by this date, are you going to come? And the point about the date next to the RSVP is this. You are so welcome. But if you don't get back to them by that date, you cannot come. That's the point, isn't it? If you don't come back to them by that date, you are not welcome. Very awkward to turn up and you go to that board where, where, where your name is on a table and, and it's not there because you did not respond. There's not a place for you at the table. Now I want you to write down today's date or note today's date. The 27th of November 2016. Because today you are going to receive an invitation from God. Open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 55. And you'll find this on page 743. Page 743 in the church Bibles. Isaiah chapter 55. I'm going to read down to verse 7. 
come. All you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not. And nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon. This is God's invitation to us. It's an amazing invitation. Now in Scotland, we take water for granted, don't we? We're rather blasé about water. I was in India recently, not so much in India. You can't really be sure that what you drink is going to be good for you at the tap in India. And to the Judean exiles uh, living in Babylon, 700 years before Jesus, and separated from their promised land by dry, hot deserts, they knew far more clearly than us, no water, no life. And Isaiah, speaking for God, has this wonderful invitation. Come, all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters. Now what is God offering here? He's offering life. Have you ever been thirsty? Truly thirsty. Desperately thirsty. Have you ever been in a desert or a hot country with nothing to drink? Well, to the thirsty, God says, come. All you need to bring is your thirst and God will quench it. Are you hungry? Are you needing nutrition? God has an amazing offer. You have no money? Come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. I remember from my home economics teacher that uh, milk is the most complete nutritional food that you can get. And wine is the drink for wedding feasts and celebrations as it gladdens the heart of man, according to Psalm 104. You see, what God is offering us here today is, is life, life that is sustaining, 
life that is joyful. Come, buy milk, buy wine. And you don't have to have any money. Now all around us, people are claiming to offer an exciting life. Materialism is the answer. We just had Black Friday. What a terrible thing to bring over from America. Why did we copy that? A frenzy of incredible offers from supermarkets and manufacturers and and, and shops claiming that if we buy from them, then we're really going to know satisfaction and joy. If we drive away that new car, if if we buy that new laptop, if we get that new gizmo, if we... Life, life. But it's all lies. We kind of know that, don't we? All this choice does not make us happy. Buying stuff does not really give us significance. Walter Benjamin uh, has described how in a consumer society we're locked into a degrading compulsion, he describes it, as we buy new stuff to conceal to ourselves our disappointments with the old stuff. New stuff does not satisfy our souls. There's that anticipation of having it, that initial excitement, and then we find out, of course, that it it doesn't do everything that we hoped for, and it starts breaking down, and, and then there's a newer model that comes out, and we get bored with it, and then consumer debt just grows. Well, sex, that's, that's what society says will be really living life. Pursue sexual pleasure unfettered from commitment. Satisfy your desires and that's going to make you really happy. Except it doesn't. There's so much data now to show that instead of the promised freedom and joy of the sexual revolution, it's left dissatisfaction, brokenness, guilt, shame, enslaving behavior that hurts and hollows people out. And into this context of never-ending pursuit of an elusive happiness through stuff and sex, listen to God's appeal. Why spend money, verse 2, on what is not bread? And your labor on what does not satisfy. In John's Gospel, chapter 4, you can read about Jesus traveling through uh, Samaria, and he, uh, he comes to a Samaritan town called Sychar. And in the middle of the day, he sit, sits down by a well. And there's a woman who comes out to that well in the hottest part of the day. Now, why does she do that? Well, she does it because she wants to avoid the sneering of her community. Here was a woman with a bit of a reputation. In her desire for satisfying relationships, she burns through five husbands. And now she was just living with the new man. And Jesus, knowing all about her past, offered her living water. John chapter 4, verse 13 says this, Everyone who drinks this water, referring to the well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. That's what God is offering in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 3. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. This is no mere soup kitchen offer. It is a delightful feast. This is the richest affair. This is no trip to Costco where you get a few little 
tasty morsels for free. This is God offering us a soul-satisfying, sustaining, joyful life without end. That's what's on the table. Here's an invitation to the greatest banquet of all time. And it's been prepared by God himself. Isaiah chapter 25 already spoken of this. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples. A banquet of aged wine. The best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain... He will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away tears from our eyes. Now have you come to see this? That so much of what is offered in this world is empty and false. Are you hungry Are you thirsty this morning? Come and be satisfied is the invitation from God to you today. Now this is a wonderful invitation. It is also such a gracious and undeserved invitation. Uh, Wedding invitations uh, can get quite complicated, especially if if the marriages of the parents have broken up and there are new partners. Wedding days can bring up lots of old, painful wounds of broken promises. And as you read through Isaiah, you'll learn there's been a very difficult and painful backstory to this relationship between God and Israel. God had entered into a special covenant relationship with them, a bit like a marriage. They would be a special people as they committed to worshipping him and serving him, the the creator God who had rescued them out of slavery and brought them through the wilderness to the promised land. But instead, the people had been cheating on God. Isaiah has laid it all out from the very first chapters. Chapter 1, here's a very painful description as he describes the capital city, Jerusalem. See how the faithful city has become a prostitute. Or chapter 2, describing the, the, the people of the land. They're full of superstitions from the east. They practice divination like the Philistines and embrace pagan customs. Their land is full of silver and gold. There is no end to their treasure. Their land is full of horses. There is no end to their chariots. He's describing a prosperous society. But then this description, their land is full of idols. They bow down to the work of their hands, to what their fingers have made. The people of God have been so seduced by the wealth and materialism of their day that they've thought, well, we don't need this God. We can go and worship other things. We can live for our own things. We can have our own agenda. They had prostituted themselves to other gods to worship the things that were no gods at all. And Isaiah has been attempting, almost like a marriage counselor, calling people to turn away from their love of idols, and yet it was largely ignored. And finally, after decades of warning, God kicked them out of the house, using the Babylonian empire as the bailiff. And they'd become exiles in Babylon, their relationship with God now in tatters. 
And so after so many dire warnings, this invitation of chapter 55 just must have seemed almost too good to be true. Come. Come to the waters. And that's why God backs it up with such gracious promises in verses 3 to 5 of our chapter. Look at verse 3. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you, might, that you may live. I'll make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. This is nothing less than the offer of a renewed covenant relationship with God. And it's absolutely incredible that this is the offer on the table. We're not very good at giving people second chances, especially if our hearts have been broken. But here is God offering an everlasting covenant relationship with them. It's not just an invitation to a wedding feast as an observer. It's an invitation to be the bride that renews those covenant promises to enjoy the blessings of a, of a restored relationship with God. And it was all possible because of God's pledge to King David, verse 3. My faithful love promised to David. Now the first king of Israel, Saul, was a total washout and God replaced him with David. But God promised David that his dynasty would rule forever. Human failure would not be able to destroy this covenant promise that from his descendants would come one who would rule over an everlasting kingdom, a new Messiah king, who would be the fulfillment of God's promise to David. Now, no surprises this morning. We know who this was. We know who this is. This is Jesus of Nazareth. Paul the Apostle uh, he's preaching in a synagogue. It's recorded in Acts 13 and he quotes Isaiah 55 as being fulfilled in the coming of Jesus. See, after so many severe chapters, and if you've been coming uh, for months and months, you'll have heard lots of terrible warnings to Israel. Suddenly this warm, gracious invitation. How has this suddenly come about? And the answer is because we've had Isaiah chapter 53. We've had this extraordinary chapter describing this suffering servant who would come and fix this terrible sin problem, who himself would come and be punished. Even though he was righteous, even though he'd done nothing wrong, he, his punishment brought us peace. His life was given as an offering of sin. You've heard the phrase, there's no such thing as a as a free meal, haven't you? It's true. Someone has to pay for it. And the amazing offer of, of water, wine and milk needed to be purchased. And it was Jesus Christ, the sinless one, who, was, who willingly paid that price so that sinners could be offered it at no cost to them. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the guarantee that God's promise to King David has been fulfilled. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. Do you see that this great invitation is one of a new relationship with God, a new covenant relationship? 
And it would only be possible because of Jesus, the Messiah King. Now at the beginning, I said I was going to be, uh, that we're going to be receiving this morning an invitation from God. And if you've been listening very carefully, you'll note that so far it's been directed to Israel, which is great if you're here today and you're of Jewish descent. But what about the rest of us? And that's why verse 5 is so precious to me as a, as a Gentile. In verse 5, the you suddenly becomes singular. The language has been plural up to now. It suddenly becomes singular. And I think it is a reference to Jesus as the Messiah. Surely you, the Messiah King in the line of David, will summon nations you know not. And nations you do not know will come running to you. Because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. And so there we are. The nations are also invited to come running to Christ. This is why I can say this is an invitation to us, to you today. When you've begun to see the glory and the splendor of Jesus Christ, his life, his miracles, his character, his teaching, his love, his suffering, his death, his resurrection. When you begin to see something of the glory of Jesus, as we prayed about earlier, then you're going to be drawn to come to Christ and receive what he offers. Through Jesus Christ, we can enter into this eternal relationship with God, an everlasting covenant relationship. You're invited to the party, to the great banquet of the king. We can receive this soul-satisfying, sustaining, joyful, eternal life. The offer is on the table for you today. If we respond to the gracious invitation of Jesus. Have you heard the gracious invitation of Jesus? It was actually uh, read to us a bit earlier. Liam mentioned it. John chapter 7 is one of the many places. Jesus shouted to the crowd in Jerusalem with a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink, Jesus says. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. At the end of this sermon, I'm going to invite you to come to Jesus and respond to this invitation. But before I do that, I want you to notice with me that this invitation is repeated in verse 6. This chapter is a call both to come and be satisfied, verses 1 to 5, but it's also to seek and be pardoned, verses 6 and 7. Verse 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. I love the account of Bartimaeus in Mark's gospel. Bartimaeus was a blind man. He had to beg to survive. He was a beggar in Jerusalem. And he heard that Jesus was coming. And he could hear the loud crowds that surrounded him. And he would not miss the opportunity. 
And so he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he kept shouting it. The crowds, the people around him, were not impressed by this beggar shouting. Be quiet. Shut up. Nobody likes religious enthusiasts. People aren't impressed by that. But he shouted all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. There was no way he was going to let this opportunity pass by. Jesus was coming through. He wanted to call on him and he kept shouting and shouting. And guess what? Jesus heard him. This is so precious. He heard him. And he stopped and he said, call him. Tell him to come. That's how the people change their tune. Cheer up. On your feet. He's calling you. He did not miss the opportunity. He sought the Lord while he was to be found. He called on Jesus while he was near. And throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and went to Jesus where he received his sight back. And then he began to follow Jesus along the road. A great picture of what discipleship is. See, when we hear Christ's call to come to him, there's always things we need to leave behind. For Bartimaeus, it was his begging cloak. Wouldn't need that anymore. Had to leave it behind. And for each one of us to respond to the gracious invitation to come, there are always things that we will need to leave behind. Look at verse 7. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. That's strong, isn't it? And I'm guessing that even if we interviewed most people on the street, would you say, are you wicked? They would say, oh, no, I'm not wicked. I'm not wicked. Do you ever think unrighteous thoughts, sinful thoughts, covetous thoughts, greedy thoughts, lustful thoughts? If you do, guess what? You're wicked. You're wicked. Why are we thirsty and hungry? Because we're going through this life apart from God, in rebellion against God. It's because we think unrighteous and sinful thoughts and because we turn those thoughts into actions and do wicked and shameful things. And our souls are parched because of our sin and our separation from God. And the only way we can honestly seek the Lord and turn to Him is through this genuine repentance, forsaking wicked ways, forsaking those sinful thoughts and turning to the Lord. And what I love about verse 7 is that even as you begin to sense perhaps And I don't think there's any other way that you come to Christ than by beginning to sense your sin and your wickedness and your guilt and your unworthiness. And you think to yourself, well, how could I ever be received when I have behaved this way? How could God ever forgive? And God wants you to be in no doubt today 
of the, of, of the response you will receive if you turn to him today. Verse 7, let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. Let them turn to our God for he will freely pardon. Pardon and mercy is freely available to all who will come to Christ Now, my Christian friends, this is the most wonderful salvation that we have received, is it not? The Lord Jesus Christ is all that we need. We did not earn this salvation. We couldn't buy it with our money. We certainly didn't buy it with our good deeds or our righteousness because we were good blokes. No. He the Lord Jesus has fully met the price so that we could be fully pardoned. It is the best news. And I hope you will go out today rejoicing afresh at this glorious invitation that you have received and that is now yours. But I want to say to you that Jesus has actually given us permission to offer the same invitation to others. Who are we going to invite this Christmas? What about inviting uh, your neighbors uh, into your house over Christmas? Give them some free food and drink as a picture of Isaiah 55. And then maybe give them an invitation to come along to one of our Christmas carol events. The posters have begun to go up outside. We'll have invite cards next week. Who are we going to invite? God is not beneath this urgent invitation. Come. Come. Will you come? Come. Will you invite? Come. Look. I haven't got everything sorted, but I found life in Christ and I'd love you to hear about it. Will you come? My friends today, for whom this is all new, or perhaps you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, I've begun to understand this, but I haven't responded to it. Do you see the urgency of this call? Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. This is an invitation that is not extended indefinitely. There is an RSVP. You are most welcome, but there will become a point where you will not be able to respond to this invitation. Will you get invited tomorrow? Really, is someone at work going to remind you about this invitation from God? Is someone going to come and invite you to come and receive the free pardon and mercy of God? Is that going to happen in your workplace? Is that going to happen when you put on the TV tomorrow? Is someone going to remind you of this amazing offer? My friends, you might die tomorrow. Some tragic accident Call on him while he is near. 
you must respond to this invitation. Today could be the very last time you ever hear this invitation to turn to Christ and enjoy this everlasting relationship with him. Do you hear the urgency this morning? Come, all who are thirsty. Come, listen, that you might live. Come and be satisfied. Seek and be pardoned. Will you come to Christ today? You can do it right now. I'll put a prayer up there and I'll I'll read it out so you can see what the prayer is and I'll pray it again. Heavenly Father, thank you for inviting me to come to you to receive this soul-satisfying eternal life. Jesus, thank you for dying in my place on the cross and rising again on the third day. Today I realize I must forsake my sin and receive your free pardon. Please forgive me and by your spirit give me this eternal life. There are people here today and you've not responded to this and you need to pray this prayer and come to Christ. If you're hearing anything in your soul that is stirring you to respond, go with it today. Call on him while he is near. Let's bow our heads and I'll pray that again, line by line, and give you an opportunity to pray that to the Lord yourself, quietly, before the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for inviting me to come to you. to receive this soul-satisfying eternal life. Jesus, thank you for dying in my place on the cross. And rising again on the third day, Today I realize I must forsake my sin and receive your free pardon. Please forgive me and by your spirit give me this eternal life. Amen. Invite the band just to come up.